Um, today I'm going to be sharing some things from my heart. And, you know, I'm asking for grace because I believe this place should always be a place where God's word is magnified and Jesus is made known. Um, that should be the primary purpose of this. Today I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to be sharing probably a little bit more personal stuff than I usually um, do. So I'm going to ask you guys just for some grace beforehand to know that this is never about me, um, but our story can sometimes point people towards God's glory. I am Dr. Seuss. Um, but so that is just ask you some grace beforehand, but we're going to start off right away going to scripture. But first let's pray. God, we just, um, we thank you for the time we've been able to come here and to worship and to lift your name up. God, I pray that that would not stop today as we continue to just um, worship you and look at scripture and see what it has to say to us. I pray that your word would be magnified, glorified, lifted up and speak the loudest Lord. And we thank you. We praise you in Jesus name. Everybody said, all right. So since you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to the book of Mark? I always make the joke, it's the best book in the Bible. Come on. It is. It's short. It tells about Jesus. It gets straight to the point. I mean, it's awesome. So Mark chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 14. Verse 14 is where we're going to start. It says, And John was put in prison. So this is talking about John the Baptist. And Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. So in case you didn't know, this is the one that would become Peter. Um, Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. And it's a good reminder that when we have an interaction and a true interaction with Jesus, he changes us. He sees us in a new way. He sees us in a different calling. He sees us in a different light. Um, So no matter what people may think about you or what you may think about you, God sees something different. That is not the point of the message, but you always got to point those things out. So as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people at once. They left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. What I love about this is that Jesus called, they followed. There was no like confirmation class. There was no 12 steps to becoming a follower of Jesus. It was just, I called, you followed. And sometimes we can kind of gum this up. Um, we try to make it even harder for people to follow Jesus. We give all these different steps and hoops to jump over. And he's just saying, just come follow me. And along the way, that's where discipleship happens as you continue to follow. And so it's all about, I don't, it's not about cleaning up the mess and then following Jesus. It's about following Jesus. And along the way, he'll clean that mess up. The problem is sometimes we're afraid of that, especially at church. We don't like the mess. We'd rather you clean up the mess before you get, you know, following Jesus. And Jesus is like, just come. Are you going to repent and start following me? And as you do, along the way, we'll grow. These guys were, they were fishermen. They were dudes that probably had mess and baggage and things. But he said, come follow me. And they took a step and they came and followed him. There's a common thing that we see in both of these instances. Both in verse 18 and verse 20. So verse 18 there's this, it says, at once they left their nets. Then in verse 20, it says, without delay, he called them. And then they left their father. There's just like anticipation of they just, they just did 
the thing without delay. They just moved forward into a new calling and purpose. The pattern I see here is that in following Christ, in really following Christ, it's going to take stepping out of our comfort zone and stepping into our calling. If you really want to become a follower of Christ, you're going to have, you, we all have a comfort zone. And he's saying, I need you to step out of your comfort zone and step in to your calling. We see it all throughout Scripture, time and time again. People that are in a comfort zone and God shows up. He says, hey, I want you to fill in the blank. And most people do not like that all throughout Scripture. But God keeps nudging. And we see God's amazing plan happen when they decide to step out of their comfort zone and step into the purpose that God has for them. The thing is, we all have a comfort zone. All of us. Some of us have comfort foods. Come on. Chocolate ice cream, guys. Nobody out there. Y'all know my comfort food. If you've been here the last couple months, you should know my comfort food. Tostitos and Oreos. That's right. Come on. It's the best. I was at some people here from Relevance Church just last week, and guess what they had? Tostitos and chocolate brownies, which is just as good. I put them on the same plate. They're like, what? oh, I guess you're, yeah, that is really your thing. Yes, it is. But some of us had comfort places. Maybe we go to our home. Maybe, we, we, maybe we're hunters and we like being out in the woods or in the mountains. Others like sand in the toes on the beach. There's a place that gives you a sense of just like peace and comfort. But sometimes we can put comfort ahead of calling. And we chase after comfort instead of towards moving towards the calling that God has for us. And when we chase after comfort, we keep chasing. Because comfort gives us a moment of peace, but the only peace that actually lasts is, comes from God. And so what happens is if we chase after comfort, it doesn't last. And so a lot of us start trying to seek out new things to bring us comfort relationships. Maybe that'll bring me comfort. Maybe we chase after money, wealth, possessions. Some of us have unhealthy habits or addictions that when we do those things, they bring us a moment of comfort, but that comfort doesn't actually bring us peace. A lot of times, the simplest way for us to get comfort is just in comparison. We'll look at somebody else and say, well, at least I'm not like that person. Or at least I don't struggle with this. And it makes us feel comfortable because we feel better than. That's gross. We've all done it. But it's an easy way to just seek out comfort because all of us have just a little bit of an insecurity there that we want to feel comfortable. But God wants to move us into a calling. And this is actually where the message kind of turns personal for me. So for about a year and a half, I've been feeling a God calling in my life in my personal life. And it's not like God spoke like, you know, some big, deep-voiced Morgan Freeman voice to me. <laughs> it's just, you know, you start getting this like nudge and this stirring and this feeling inside of you that you're supposed to be doing something and moving in a certain direction. But I didn't like it. And so I'm like, I don't like this feeling and this calling. That cannot be God. It's me. Come on, sing it, Taylor Swift. I'm the problem. It's me. And I was just like, no, this cannot be coming from God. So I just keep pushing it down. But then some trusted friends and people that I know started saying the same junk in my life. Some people that I was, you know, friendly with, but we weren't super close. They, kept, they started saying this nudge that God was giving to me. 
And this nudge and this calling that I kept feeling was, hey, you need to lead your own church. You need to be a lead pastor. And I thought, absolutely not. No way, no how can that be for me. That is the devil. How can that be? And so I started avoiding any situation that would put me in a place for somebody to say that. I, every time there was an opportunity for me to preach at my home church, say, somebody else should do it. Because I knew if you get up on stage and preach, then afterwards somebody starts saying that mess. Anytime that there'd be opportunities to teach, I'd tend to push those away. I'd hang out with my interns and teach them, but otherwise, let me push that away. I'm always with ideas and dreams and organizational stuff, but I started just giving credit to people all the time. Because I didn't want people to know I was doing those things or that, so just give it to them because then I don't have to hear, hey, this is so awesome, what if you did blank? I don't want to hear that stuff because honestly, I liked where I was at. It's easier. I felt like I was doing something important. And I had 24 staff members that ended up under the tree that I led. 40 interns, whole bunch of people. Like I am busy doing God's work uh, this is awesome. I'm excited. But honestly, it had become comfortable. And I became more concerned sitting in comfort than actually walking into God's calling. Walking into God's calling sometimes is scary. And comfort isn't as much. I know how this works. And honestly, many of us, like I said, have comfort foods, maybe comfort places. Some of us have comfort sayings, things that we say to ourselves to make us comfortable. And I had a comfort phrase, and I, I've used it. Because people will come, they'll say, hey, man, you, you should lead your own church. You should be a lead pastor. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. And so I, had a, I developed a comfort phrase. My comfort phrase is, hey, man, that's not my place. That's not my role. I'm a platform builder, not a platform stander. Some of you laugh because I've said that exact thing to you. <laughs> because when I started hearing that, I was like, I, that cannot be true. I don't want to hear that. And I started using it at my home church. I started using it with you guys. And in fact, I've said that phrase so many times, it started to become truth to me. And last fall, I was asked to come up here. The church had gone through some things and they needed someone to just help um, with some preaching duties. And so I was asked, can you come up here and just help preach? And I thought, great. Like, that's an area that I know I can continue to grow and develop in. Um, and it's like a muscle. If you don't work it out, man, you're not going to get any stronger in it. So I thought, awesome. This gives me a, an opportunity to, to grow and to stretch that muscle. And these people will leave me alone and not say crazy stuff. Because <laughs> I don't know them. And so I came up here and I preached and it's fun. But I remember the second time that I preached, my wife Melanie and I were standing in the lobby. And I'm like, man, this, I could lead this place. Anybody could lead this place. It just needs vision, organization, relationship, love. Anybody could do this. Well, God was not nudging towards anybody. But I immediately said to my wife, but that's not my place. And that's not my place. I'm a platform builder, not a platform stander. I had said that so many times. It just became rote that my immediate response towards any kind of nudging was to just say that response. 
I had spoken that phrase so many times, it had become truth. And although I'm usually pretty good about submitting to God's plan for my life, I'd let my voice become the loudest voice. And let me encourage you, do not let your voice become the loudest voice in your life. Do not let somebody else's voice become the loudest voice in your life. Sometimes people will say things about you and over you that that is not the truth that God has for you. But also sometimes we say things to ourselves out of fear or just out of any, anything that's just disruptive and we'll just start saying these things over ourselves. God's truth needs to be the loudest truth in your life. So, I've learned something. A way to recognize if it's God's truth or mine is just asking myself, you know, does this actually last? So when somebody would say that to me, I would give them my phrase and I would feel a comfort and a peace. But then later on in the day, that same stirring would come back up. Because I said my comfort phrase, but it actually didn't bring me peace. And some of you guys have come up with these little comfort things, whether they're habits or they're phrases, and you do them, but then the peace fades because that isn't the thing that actually is there to bring you comfort. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. That's who Jesus left us with. God is the only one that's going to bring us that comfort and that peace. But I would convince myself, I'm being faithful. I'm doing hard work right where I'm at. Jesus, I'm leading. I'm good at it. This is comfortable. And so if it's discomfort, this must be from the devil. And sometimes we think discomfort comes from the devil. Let me tell you, the devil would love to keep you comfortable. He would. I think we need to understand that many times we have this misconception about who Jesus is. We think Jesus Christ came to make us comfortable. Let me tell you, that is not the truth. It just isn't. He came to make you right with God and provide a way to, for you to be seen as righteous and to have a right relationship restored back to the Father, but he did not come to make you comfortable. What I see time and time again is Jesus disrupting the comfort of what he walked into. He walked into a world that was um, led by just like religion and law. And even though that was hard, it was comfortable and familiar to them. He walked into a world where you shunned the sick, the lame, the poor. All those things seemingly were comfortable. And Jesus stepped up and said, guess what? I'm disrupting all of this. I'm disrupting all of this. Because he wasn't there to make people comfortable. Steering clear of the sick and the demon-possessed and all those people. Man, that's what everybody did. And Jesus just stepped up. Each one of those comforts. He faced him head on, time and time again. In fact, in John 6, we see, and we'll be back in, in this passage in John 6 in a week or two, but and what we see is there's a group of people that are hungry. Because hunger was a, a, it's a natural thing that we all, at some point, we seek that desire for comfort of food. Like it's, you got to eat to live. So a big group of people are hungry. Hunger in that day was way more common than it is now, and Jesus fed them all. He fed thousands of people. And so when all of a sudden he feeds thousands of people, guess what they want from him again? More food. They want the thing that made them comfortable. And Jesus starts saying crazy stuff. He's like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they're like, wait a minute, nope. That, we are not comfortable with this. We're out of here. And what he's wanting them to understand is I have something way better to give you 
than this temporal thing that's not going to last. But we chase after temporal comforts, like things that don't sustain. We chase after those things, longing for those things, wanting those things to give us comfort. And Jesus is saying, I have something so much better for you to walk in my calling, to serve in my purpose. Again, Jesus came to make us right with God, not just comfortable in our calling. And if we're not careful, anytime we're just, just uncomfortable, we blame it on the devil. But guess what? Sometimes our spiritual enemy would much rather you be comfortable to keep you out of your calling. He'll tempt you with comfort to distract you from where God wants to lead you. He tried to do it with Jesus himself. Think about when they're in the, Jesus is in the, in the wilderness and Satan comes to tempt. The very first thing he tempts him with is comfort. Hey, I know you're hungry. Turn these stones into bread. Then you'll be comfortable. You'll be full. Jesus wasn't having that. A lot of times Satan will try to keep us comfortable in the familiarity of what we do in life. And God's trying to move us into a calling to serve a better purpose. You have to step out of your comfort zone. Peter had to leave his nets. James had to leave his dad in the boat. He called these fishermen to a new calling, and it was built on a foundation of their experience. They knew hard work. They knew what it took take, to go after something and to seek something and to pull it up. They had this skill set in them. And Jesus said, I want you to take what you've already kind of learned, and I want to repurpose it to do something different and new. Notice Jesus, he's, he's calling them to repurpose their strengths and their skill set they'd already been developing. And when God calls you, he doesn't always call you to all of a sudden just do something completely different than you're familiar with. Some of y'all think you need to start a restaurant and all you can cook is a Hot Pocket. <laughs> like, you can't balance your checkbook. You might not be able to, you shouldn't probably be starting a restaurant. But if you've built up a skill set and something that God is now nudging you towards, maybe that is God's leading and God's plan. And I also don't want you to think God's calling is for every single person to be a minister or, or a preacher. You're all ministers, but you all don't need to be up here. We need businessmen. We need politicians, lawyers, doctors that are called to serve Christ in that capacity. And God might nudge you to do little things. I had a guy last service like, God always nudged me to pray for people at my workplace. I hate it, but I do it. So whatever God's nudging you towards, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and to do it? Calling is about how do I see the gifts that God has placed into, into me being used to bring him glory, to bring him praise. Jesus saw a gift in these guys to fish, and he's like, come fish for men with me. Let me apply your aptitude and give it a new purpose. But a lot of times in order to move into our calling, we have to forsake our comfort, and we want both. We want Oreos and abs. Tostitos and triceps, right? We want the best of both of these things. We want calling and comfort. And sometimes that doesn't work. Jesus says, follow me. And what he says when he says, follow me, he says, as you follow me, I'll show you as we go where we're going. I don't like that. Like, how about you show me where we're going and then I'll follow? And Jesus is like, no, you follow me and I'll show you. 
And we are, as a people, like to be planned, prepared. And I'm not saying you just have to be reckless. But before you plan and prepare, are you going to God first? Or are you making your own plans? You have a five-year plan or even a, a next week plan. Do you put it before God before you plan it? I mean, if we're really followers of Jesus, we should be willing to follow him wherever he leads us. Jesus says, follow me. Forsake what's familiar. Stretch out in faith. Sometimes people say that fear is the opposite of faith, and that sounds great and all, but sometimes they think that fear is actually a, a, a friend of faith because fear sometimes will push us towards being closer to God. I think an enemy of faith is familiarity. Familiarity just keeps us comfortable. It keeps you stuck in predictability. Familiarity feels safe, but it's a false sense of security. The safest place is actually walking in the purpose of God. The safest, most secure place you can be is just living out God's calling in your life. I didn't say comfortable. It may not always be comfortable, but it'll be the safest, most secure place you can be. And it's, here's when it's really hard to step out and do something that God's called you to do. It's when you're successful. So when your life's kind of messy and you feel like God's finally called you to do something, you're like, oh, thank God, I finally feel like I've been given some kind of a plan and a purpose. But when you feel like you've been successful at something and then all of a sudden God is saying, I want you to shift and do something else. You're like, wait a minute, I have to sacrifice this success to follow your plan? And I would encourage you, even if you've been successful, are you still willing to sacrifice even your success if it's what God has asked you to do? James and his dad had hired workers. That means they'd been successful fishermen. Because if you had hired workers, you had enough money to hire workers. And he left it to follow Jesus. In other passages, like when we see other instances, Jesus calls them after they've got nets and nets full of fish and they just left them behind. Would you be willing to even to step away from your success to follow the Savior? Honestly, that's where I've been struggling. I've been in a role for the past five years and at a church for the past seven years where I've been successful. This is not to be braggadocious, it's just honest of where I've been. Because again, like I said, Jesus is most important and should always be lifted up here, but our personal story can point people towards him. And my greatest strength has always been my ability to come in in organizational leadership. I can see something, fix something, rally people together. I can strategize. It's always been a strength ever since I was a little kid. I was the one that organized like the neighborhood kickball game. As a teenager, I organized all kinds of fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I told them a story last service. Um, this service, I remember one time, you know those little capsules that smell like sulfur when they get broken open, those little glass things? I organized the whole school that you put them under the toilets and then when the flusher comes down, they break. The whole school reeked. It was awesome, but it took rallying together, strategy, organization. It's just a skill that I, it, God gives us certain gifts, skills, and abilities. He just does. And we can use them to do stupid stuff. We can use them to do the right things. But along the way, we kind of, a lot of us, we kind of have an idea of where we lean and what we're good at. And so I've always just kind of had this 
this strength. And along the way, God has used it, especially at the place that I've at, to do some very fun and incredible things. At the church I'm at, man, I, I oversee a large team, and I've been able to develop a, a strategy to help people become pastors. We've had eight or nine people come through this whole thing, and just they're all of a sudden, they're not pastors at this church. There's an internship program that I developed and built that now half the people on that staff probably at some point went through that program. It's just God has given me ideas, vision, things, thoughts. And now he said, hey, guess what? I'm like, I don't want to hear this. Guess what? And in preparing this message, there was a reason I started at the beginning with, with John and in verse 15, it said a word that jumped out to me. And the word was repent. And the reason this word jumped out to me is because two weeks ago, I preached a message about Jesus being the light. And we all shined our lights, at least the ones that aren't afraid to shine their lights. Some of y'all, I don't know, you tell them to turn on their flashlight and you act like you just asked them to do the hardest thing in the world. Um, <laughs> but one of the first things in that message talked about repentance. And I always kind of go back and I look at my notes from last week just to see, you know, where, as a pastor, I always feel like we should be moving. And I always look back at the notes to see, are we moving? And last week, or two weeks ago, I stood right over here during second service. And during worship, I told the team the next week, I'm like, I felt like a caged tiger. Like I'm pacing around. Like God is just wanting He's stirring something. I'm like, somebody needs to hear this message. And I came up here and I said, this, somebody needs this today. And I very rarely will ever do that because I feel like sometimes that feels forced and manipulative and I never want to be that type of communicator. And a couple of you after service, you said, man, that was something I needed to hear. And I'm so glad that God's word spoke to you and it was true. And as I was kind of looking at this word and preparing this message, God said, hey, remember that? crazy that you were feeling down there and that stirring when you're up here that word was for you good. i was like oh <laughs> and i looked back at my notes and i said and i said this said repentance is stepping out of the shadows and stepping into the light And God said, this is for you. You've been hiding in the shadows of comfort and success. And it's time to step into my light. And repentance doesn't necessarily mean just stepping away from sin. It's stepping towards following Jesus. It's a move towards wherever he wants me to go. I'm willing to go. Pointing your face towards Christ. He said, this word was for you. So that's what I'm doing today. Stepping out of my comfort zone. Stepping into my calling. So today I'm letting you know that I'm officially a candidate to become lead pastor here at Relevant Church. There's still a process to go through and I submit to that process. But no matter what, I'm going to find a church and be a lead pastor at it because that's what God's calling is on my life. I've been at a church and been successful at that place because of God, not because of myself. It's God's ability and strength and opportunity. But he's now saying, step out. And there's something about, like, even just being here. I, I've had dreams about this place. I've had ideas about this place. 
There was a dream. I was ready to cut people to protect the staff of this place. I told them. Like, I woke up sweating. Like, what is wrong with me? This should not be happening. Because I kept telling people, I'm a platform builder, not a platform stander. And God eventually really, really said, he goes, you're not into building your own platform. That is true. But if I put you up there, that's your place. And this church has a bright future. And it's going to take stretching. There's going to be times when it's frustrating. But God wants to do something here. And no matter who is behind this place, if it's me, man, I want to develop leaders, preachers, communicators. I don't ever want a place that's built off of me. Like if I don't need to be the primary only time person. Jace needs to be up here. Some of you guys that don't even have, you didn't even know you had that nudge. You need to be up here as well. So that we can multiply and send people all over these communities that need to meet, know, and follow Jesus. Just people need him. They don't just need me. They need you guys. We need a church that's equipped with ministers. And God just keeps stirring. I've got a whole notebook now full. Like, here's the amazing thing. When you decide to step into God's calling, all of a sudden peace comes. It doesn't mean it's not scary. Let me tell you, it's scary. I keep saying it's like Moses. Moses is out in the wilderness with a stick. And God calls him to do something. And Moses starts making all kinds of excuses. And eventually he says, well, what am I supposed to, how are people going to know? And he says, what's in your hand, Moses? Moses had the experience of using this stick time and time again. And I feel like God's saying, okay, what do you have, Mark? And then it's what God says. He says, now throw it down. And let, let, watch what I can do with it. So Moses takes the stick, he throws it down, and it becomes real scary. It's a snake. To throw down the thing that you've used for so long is hard. But God can do something amazing. And then he says, pick it back up. Let's go. Let's move. Let's lead. So that's what I'm doing today, throwing down my stick. And it's scary. Man, this is really scary to go to my pastor, to go to my staff and say, hey, God lead me in a new direction. There's tears and weeping, but I don't, that, that's great. Those are good long friends, but I'm going to walk in God's calling and his will for my life, no matter what it takes. And again, I know this has been a lot, just kind of me sharing my heart, but I think the same is true for you. God is nudging. He's always nudging all of us. God is a God of movement. He's always nudging us. Sometimes it's a bigger, sometimes it's a little, but God is nudging all of you guys to do something. I would encourage you guys, step out of your comfort zone and step into your calling. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I never want you guys to think, some of you guys that are older, never think that you get to retire from being a follower of Jesus. You might have stepped away from your full-time employment, but God still has plans and things that he wants to do in you, through you. But you gotta be willing to step out. So there's three things. Some of you guys, you don't even know Jesus. Let me introduce you. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He loves you more than anything and he came to bring you a perfect peace that doesn't make any sense. He came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross in our place so that we could have right relationship with God. But on the third day, he rose from the dead and because of that, we could put our faith and trust in him. So for some of you, 
today is your day to just say, okay, I'm in, let's go. Others of you, you're just like, God, would you please just point me in any direction? I need a nudge from you today. And the third option is some of you guys know what the nudge is. You're like me. You know what that thing is that you were supposed to be doing. You just keep falling back into your comfort zone because it's hard to step into your calling sometimes. But I would encourage you, no matter where you are on that journey, take the next step. Take the next step. It's way more peaceful to be in line with God than it is to be comfortable with yourself.